This message is brought to you by House on the Rock Fellowship. We are a church that serves and cares for the Miami Valley region in Ohio. Before you continue, make sure to access the notes from our download section of our message page and have your Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. I went to Kroger's yesterday. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Not my finest moment. Uh, the boss said that we needed one red bell pepper for tomorrow's casserole. And I'm like, how bad do we need it? And she's like, no, we need, we need a red bell pepper. I says, okay, I'll go. And uh, boys and I, we just finish up uh, prepping walkthrough for Christmas Eve tonight at 7 o'clock. And so we're going to stop off at Kroger here in Piqua, pull into the parking lot. Do you remember the feeling of the toilet paper run of 2020? <laughs> I mean, do you remember that feel of walking in and there's like everyone's out for them? That kind of... We are walking up to, and these people are barreling out, and they've got this look of desperation. And they're like, there's no shopping carts. There's no shopping carts. There's no shopping carts. I'm like, okay, it'll be all right. It'll be all right. We walk in the store and make our way back to the vegetable section. And there's the green, there's like crates of green bell peppers. There's the yellow bell peppers. There's the mini bell peppers. And then there's the crate for the red bell peppers. And there were no red bell peppers. We call up the boss. We're like, hey, uh, this is the situation. And I don't even think it's safe for us to be here much longer. So is it okay if we like grab one of the mini ones and we like add a bunch of red little meds together and like that'll be fine. That'll be fine. So okay. So we grabbed a mini bag of, they had no bell peppers. They had no shopping carts. But what was most frustrating, what was most noticeable to me was that there was also no peace. And I think people were looking hard for it. I think they were really looking hard for it. And they went up and down the aisles and they were putting stuff in their carts and they were hoping that there was peace on the shelves and they were hoping that they were putting peace in their carts and they were hoping that they were going to bring peace home to their families. But what I saw in their face was not peace. I saw frustration. I saw a sadness in some. Desperation. Resignation, sorrow. Saw some anger. Saw some anger. Especially after I took that lady's red pepper out of her cart. Um, <laughs> she should have been guarding it better. <laughs> but I didn't see peace. And I looked. I didn't see peace. There was no peace on earth. That's what Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said as he wrote that poem, song lyrics that we sing each year about uh, the suffering and pain of war. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill towards men. And we don't really have to lie to each other 
do we? It's a world of chaos. It's a world of war. In fact, I looked up online. There's people that actually count this things currently. There are around the globe 28 conflicts and wars at such a scope they threaten the peace of the United States. 28. In various shapes and sizes over various reasons. There's 28 current conflicts and wars that those who monitor those things for the sake of the peace of the United States we have our eye on that. Whether it's the borders in the south as thousands of people are barreling in. What are they looking for? They're looking for peace, aren't they? They're looking for peace. Or you look at the feed that comes from the Ukraine. Peace. No peace, I said. The exchange, the battle, the conflict, the war in Gaza between Hamas and Israel. A battle over what peace is, what peace is not. But you don't even have to think globally, do you? You can just maybe sit in your own chair at your own kitchen table and say to your father, there is no peace, I said. Peace, peace it's easier to feel it than it is really to define it. You know when you feel peace, a sense of wholeness, completeness, that things are the way that they're supposed to be, the way God has intended and designed things to be. Peace, flourishing, completeness, flourishing. That's a good word, flourishing. How many of you have seen a garden that's flourishing, right? You've seen a garden that's flourishing. My garden does not flourish. My plants are praying for peace. My plans, some of them just want to be put to peace and laid to rest. Like, we're, we're, we tried, it was a good run, Paul, but this isn't happening. So we'll just die now. We're hungry for peace. We're hungry for flourishing. We feel it. We feel like things are not right. They're not the way that they're supposed to be. And so it can feel odd, this tension, as we come to this last Sunday of the Advent season. We've talked about hope. We've talked about love. We've talked about joy. And this week we talk about peace, but we want to talk about it honestly, authentically, biblically, and not pretend that it is as hard to really grab a hold of as many of us feel that it is. Who say, there's no peace on earth, I said. But that's my prayer, that if you feel that this morning, Jesus has something very special for you today. Because he would have you open up Christmas morning with the blessing of peace. He would have you go home today. And you don't have to stop at Kroger. You don't have to search the shelves. You don't have to try to Overnight it from Amazon. Peace is not coming in a box. He would have you walk in peace this morning. So if you're feeling that, I'm really glad that you're here. And I'm very excited if you're watching online, gathered here, we're going to share this time together. To help us, we're going to look at a passage in the beginning of John's gospel. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 3, 4, and 5. We're going to use that... And I also need us to use our imagination a little bit this morning, okay? 
Uh, all of us, we need to use our imagination. So for my left-brainers and my right-brainers, some of this will be a little bit easier than others. Uh, but I need you to imagine, if you will, a great holiday parade. Maybe it's the Thanksgiving Macy's Day parade or a Christmas parade or the New Year's parade, but a massive parade in all of its wonder and glory, full of hope and joy and love. In to see that parade, what we really need to do is we need to step inside of a video production booth because the parade is kind of hard for us to see at times. A production booth is where, well, this guy who was made up fun of a lot in high school but now runs the world, okay? <laughs> this is where he sits and all of these various cameras from around the parade feed to him. And he has all of these monitors, this heads-up display, where he's able to zero and zoom in on various scenes and cuts of the parade. And we're going to look at this passage like it's five different monitor scenes in that production booth. Each camera is going to show us something special, something unique when it comes to the great story that is peace. Okay? So why don't we find John's gospel? John chapter 1. I have a copy of John's gospel right here. Let me read it. I'm going to read through a couple times just so we start to get the feel of it, the lay of the land. John chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let me read that again. Let me read that again. Okay, because we're going to break it down into four parts. Four parts. The first monitor screen, the first video feed that we're going to look at is in verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. The second screen, verse 4. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The third screen is the first part of verse 5. The light shines in the darkness. The next screen. The darkness has not overcome it. Then I'm going to show you one more screen. It's pretty small and fuzzy. People like to look at that one a lot. But it is there and I don't want to ignore it. But let's unpack this together. Screen number one. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Imagine, if you will, that we're flying at 30,000 feet. This camera comes from the Goodyear blimp. This camera is able to see the entire parade all laid out at once. The beginning, the middle, the end. A long shot down Broadway, the long shot down Main Street. You can see the whole parade laid out, if you will, the whole continuation of time can see the whole thing, all things that were made, everything made through him. And this camera high above and this blimp is able to zoom in at the very beginning of our time, the very beginning of creation. And what do you see? The surroundings of chaos, the presence of death, storm and torment raging. But in a moment, and the camera grabs it, and we see it, it's almost as if this gateway of life and light bursts onto the scene. And through this gateway, 
Amidst chaos, life just begins to march out in all of its glory and wonder, a parade of flourishing. Days and nights and stars and suns and moons and land rising out of chaos. Flowers beholding things flying in the air, things swimming through the water. Animals, plants of all types and sizes, all in delight, all in perfect peace, meaning they are in harmony one with another. Everything is exactly the way it's designed to be in relationship one with another. Humanity flourishing. Humanity in delight. For all things that were made were made through him. So we zoom in, you see this beginning and maybe you can imagine the beginning of a parade in all of its delight, in all of its fun, in all of its joy, in all of its hope. You're excited, you can hear the music playing, you can see the banners on rolling and it is a wonder to behold. It's interesting how unique that creation story is compared to all the other creation stories out there. Because, you know, Islam, they have creation stories. Lots of world religions have creation stories, how we all got here. Hindu, they got lots of creation stories. Did you know that? And not all of them even make sense. They like don't even line up one with another. Uh, a couple nights ago, we had a family friend. He was Aiden's soccer coach. He's Jackson's soccer coach. He's from Nepal. He's a riot. Love send to pieces. He's awesome. And we said, hey, would you come over uh, and teach the boys how to make a meal from Nepal, an authentic meal from Nepal? We're talking homemade chicken curry and lentils and spinach, all the herbs, the spices. He brought in these jars of chutney, relished uh, fermented food. It was incredible. Oh my goodness. And we just had the time, you know, picking his brain, learning about his story. Earlier in the week, he had take Aiden down to the Hindu temple down in Dayton. Uh, Aiden had an assignment for school just to be exposed to someone else's faith and, and what that's like. And we were asking, you know, send questions about what it was like growing up in Nepal and what it's like going to the temple. And do you see this or do you feel this? And sometimes... Sen had honest, honest, oh, it's like this, and it means this, and this is for this. But there were some times you'd ask, and he's like, I don't know why we do that. Like, I have no idea why it's like this. In fact, if you were to read some of the creation stories from, from uh, the Hindu religion, I, I copied, uh, I screenshot one of them. This comes from their sacred literature. This is like their part of the Bible, their Bible, okay? This is what it says describing their creation Darkness there was at first, by darkness hidden. Without distinctive marks, this all was water. That which becoming by the void was covered. That one, by force of heat, came into being. Who really knows? Who will here proclaim it? Whence was it produced? Whence is this creation? Gods came afterwards with the creation of the universe. Who then knows when it was risen? Whether God's who created it or whether God was mute, perhaps God formed itself or perhaps it did not. Only God who is the overseer in the highest heavens knows. Only he knows or perhaps he doesn't know. Like, that's their, that's their, not helpful. Not helpful. In fact, you unpack other creation stories from other religions and you know predominantly what their story is? 
Normally, it centers on some God massacring some other God, dismembering, disemboweling, cutting, shredding, ripping apart, and we kind of got vomited on the scene. That's kind of their story on how we all got here. We are birthed inside of war and violence. The product of war and violence. And you could easily look around and justify that. And like, well, Paul, let's be honest. There's a lot of war and violence here. But that's not the story that the Bible tells us, is it? We weren't birthed in violence and we weren't birthed in war. Creation came about out of benevolence, grace, love, and peace. And all things that were made were made through him. What's important to notice in the same way if you look at the Macy's parade, it's like the Thanksgiving parade or the New Year's parade or it's the, it's the Christmas parade. This parade of life is a parade of peace. Peace is primary. Our existence rests on a foundation of peace. All things that were made. Fly up at 30,000 feet. You zoom all the way into that beginning. And it's a parade of peace from beginning to end. And you're like, um, Paul, there's some things that we need to talk about. We're going to talk about it. But let's look at another monitor. Let's look at the second monitor. Okay, It says this in verse 4. We're in that video booth. Our attention moves over. He shows us a, another, another camera feed. Verse 4. In him, Jesus was life. And the life was the light of men. All right, so this video feed, it's a, it, it's a recording of something that's happened in the past. And it's a zoomed in boots on the ground camera feed. It's really a zoom in of the life of Jesus. In Jesus was life and Jesus was the light of men. In him there was no darkness at all. We're on the ground. We see Jesus' life. We can go forwards and backwards in Jesus' life. And what do we see? We see Jesus sourcing, producing, manifesting, and maintaining life. Bringing forth peace. Because isn't that what you see when you look at the life of Jesus? As you go through the video feed, as you fast forward and as you rewind, what does the camera show you? What comes up on the screen? Here's Jesus, and he bumps into a man who's blind, blind from birth. It's not supposed to be that way. Human beings aren't designed to be blind. We're designed to see, visually engage the world around us. So he sees a man in his brokenness, and he restores that sight. He brings wholeness, peace, flourishing. He bumps into somebody else who's crippled. We have legs. They're supposed to work. They're supposed to move. They're supposed to thrive. We're supposed to be able to move around this creation as his image bearers and ambassadors. And he says, that's not right. He heals. He restores. He brings flourishing where there was darkness and death. You zoom in on that parade of life and you see Jesus Christ moving from one situation to the next, one narrative to the next, pushing back darkness, bringing flourishing, pushing back darkness, bringing flourishing. It's a message of peace because peace is a person. In him was life. We need to remember that. Peace is a person. You're not going to find it on the shelves. You're not going to find it in the cart. You can't order it from Amazon. In him was peace. Peace is a person. Outside the 
the tomb of Lazarus, bringing forth life. The lame man, the blind one, the homeless one, the outcast one, the sad one. Peace is a person. So in, in one picture, we're at 30,000 feet. And we can see this whole parade lying out before us. We can zoom in, boots on the ground. We can see the life of Jesus in all of his wonder and glory and power manifesting and bringing peace to people. Let's look at the next screen. It says this, the third screen. The verse continues. Verse five, light shines in the darkness. Light shines in the darkness. Okay, so we've got to do a little bit of geeky grammar stuff, okay? This thing's going to be hard. Y'all can do this, okay? Listen to verse 4. In him was life. That life was the light of men. Okay, past tense, present tense, future tense. What was it? When did that part happen? past. In him was. The camera rolls backwards. It rewinds. What, what about this verse? The light shines in the darkness. Past or present? Present. John wants us to look at what's going on now. John wants us to look at the parade now, where we are in our time. In the present, what do you see happening? Light shining in the darkness. It is a now thing. It is a doing thing. It is a true thing. If you look, and if you don't get too distracted by the darkness, you will see light prevailing, the peace of God prevailing over the darkness. But here's the interesting thing. The scope of this peace has almost exploded. It's epic. It's global in scale. Whereas to rewind the tape, to rewind the parade, you see it's centered on Jesus, the person in his life and time on earth, healing one person here, healing one person there, sharing with that group there. But now to move forward, the light is shining. It's global in its scope. It's epic. And it's, something has happened now that... God's peace, the parade, has exponentially grown in what God is doing. What happened? Well, if we hop back over to that one monitor, we reverse the tape a little bit. If you go back into Jesus' life, this is what he said. This is John chapter 14. This is Jesus' last, what we call his farewell discourse to his disciples. In John chapter 14, listen to what Jesus says to his followers. I want to read you. This is John 14. I'm going to start reading uh, in verse 26. John 14, verse 26. You guys good? Everyone good? You excited? <laughs> I love you guys. I love you too, Pastor Paul. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Praying for you. Um, John 14, verse 26. Listen to what Jesus says. The helper, the Holy Spirit... Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So he promises them the present, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And then he says what? I'm leaving you peace. I'm giving you peace. 
Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. My peace I give to you. He goes, he's crucified, resurrection, ascension. But right before that ascension, he says something else. This is John chapter 20. Very similar to what he said earlier. Let me read it for you. John chapter 20, or you can go there yourself. John 20, verse 19. Okay, the disciples are all gathered together. This is after his crucifixion. This is Sunday morning. Sunday morning. They're in fear. They're trying to hide from the Jews so that they're not caught. They're not crucified themselves. On John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, John 20, 19, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came, stood among them, and he said to them, Peace be with you. Then when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad. They had joy when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. What could we guess? Jesus said and did that exponentially blew up this parade of peace on an epic scale where it was centered on his life and his ministry, his body presence. Now we can see God doing things on a global level, on an epic scale. The parade went from this to this. He says, I'm giving you my peace. Receive the Holy Spirit. This indwelling presence and person, God himself. The Holy Spirit that hovers over the darkness in the beginning of Genesis. The Holy Spirit that hovered over Mary to bring about the conception of Jesus himself. The Holy Spirit dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit that produces love, joy, and peace. That now this prayer is a global movement and you're a participant in it. And remember, we're talking about a present thing, a now thing. The light shines in the darkness. That this is the purpose of our time. Bring about his flourishing. Now maybe you're a little bit like me and you're like, Paul, you're full of it. You're full of it. Look around, Paul. This ain't no parade of peace. Ooh. Person of peace. Purpose of peace. Look around, Paul. There is no peace on earth. In despair, I hang my head. For hate is strong and mocks the song. There is no peace on earth. Bodies racked by disease. Governments racked by chaos. Marriages crumbling left and right. Where's the parade of peace, big guy? John invites us to sit in that tension. In John chapter 6, there's a moment where Jesus has this like legit church service. Like there's like five, 6,000 people when church starts, okay? But by the time he says amen, there's 12 people up front. Everyone else is left. Like you'd fire me, right? 
right? You'd fire me. I mean, like, this is not a congregational-led church, but you'd pull something off. Like, Paul, we had thousands in here, and by the time you finish, it's just the 12 of us up front. Like, what's the deal, buddy? Jesus had started to say some things that were very hard, very controversial, very difficult for a non-follower to grab a hold of. So much so that by the time he's done, it's just 12 devout followers that stay with him. Let me read for you the exchange in John chapter 6. This is the end of the chapter, John chapter 6, starting in verse 66. John 6, verse 66. Ooh, 666. Don't email me about that. That's not cool. Just don't, okay? It's, it's, it's not a thing. Don't. You guys know better. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Simon, there's nothing else on the shelves, Jesus. There's nothing that's going to be delivered. There's, there's no other source. We can't go any other place, Jesus, to get the quality of life, kingdom, peace. You alone provide that. Where else are we going to go? You alone, Jesus, are the source of peace. We have believed and have come to know you are the Holy One of God. Jesus said to them, did I not choose you, the 12? And yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. Was going to betray him. In the last part of verse 5, our passage today, let me show you one more screen. Oh. Yes, it says in the beginning of verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. We've been looking at 30,000 feet. We looked boots on the ground at, at Jesus' life. We could follow him around. John says, here's another camera. Here's another monitor. Look at your time. The light is shining in the darkness. But he says, there's another monitor. And you have to look at this monitor. And as soon as the, the, the video producer gives the go-ahead, the cameraman takes the camera and he turns it to the side of the parade, right where the barricades are at. And this is what you see. Well, you know what you see. You see the most malicious, vile, chaos, tidal waves of death doing everything that they possibly can to overwhelm that parade, to rain on that parade, to stop that parade. And you have felt it. You've bumped into it, haven't you? You've seen it in your family. You've seen it with your kids, your marriages. You've felt it in your own body at times. You've seen it at work. 
in the story, the reality of the story, as wonderful as this initiative of love, this parade of peace is, in every moment of time, from the moment that parade started rolling down Main Street, there's a very real personified presence of evil that's been doing everything that it possibly can to stop that parade. To bomb that parade. To stop that parade. Second page of the book. We're only a couple pages in. Like the marching band hasn't even got through one whole song yet. And evil comes up to Adam and Eve to get a foothold in the story and a foothold they got. Rewind the tape. Israel in Egypt. Pharaoh trying to destroy entire generations. Infanticide. Destroy an entire generation of children to wipe out God's children. Evil trying to get a foothold. You can see it on an individual level where you have a young promise bearer like David going up against the Goliath, the giant. There to destroy the promise of God, the promise that David bears that from his line a king will come. Evil trying to get a foothold on the story. Nations like Babylon rising up against the people of God, taking them into exile and slavery. Fast forward the tape a little bit to the very beginning of Jesus' earthly life. Jesus is but days old, weeks old, months old, and Herod sends his assassins to Bethlehem to wipe out every child in the town. Evil. Seeking a foothold in the story. Here, Jesus shows us, John records it. I picked you 12 but even one of you is a devil. Did you know that? Did you know that you could be a follower of Jesus Christ and an agent of chaos at the same time? Did you know that? Did you know you could be a follower of Jesus and an agent of chaos at the same time? You can do the devil's bidding. You could work in such a way the light is snuffed. It's kind of like watching the news. You know? So you guys, do some of you do that? Like, let's watch the news. Yep, still bad. And it's almost as if it's designed and orchestrated and produced in such a way to paint the most bleakest picture you possibly can. Oh, this is how bad it is. Oh, here's a cute little story of a puppy for the last 30 seconds. See you tomorrow. And you're like, and most, many Christians are that way. They are this embodiment of misery and bitterness and coldness. Oh, yep, love Jesus. See you tomorrow. Like, no, no, not tuning in at all. At all. But this is what he says. The darkness has not overcome it. 
Darkness is always looking for a foothold. And it looks at times like darkness is racking up the score. How many of you know that feeling, right? Yep, darkness won today. Yep, darkness won yesterday. Yep, darkness won the day before. And the score, the tally keeps going up and up and up. This is what Jesus says in John 16. John 16. John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you. This is Jesus in his discourse again. I have said these things to you that in me, okay, you should circle that. Like if you've got a Bible, like, like you should circle that part. In me, in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you see all that? See all the, the, the tension in that one? Just all the tension of the world in that one verse. In me, you have peace. In the world, tribulation. They're trying to break through the barricade at dawn as much as they possibly. They're trying to get a foothold in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in your kids, at work. They're trying to shut the parade down. But Jesus says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace prevails. Peace prevails. Maybe not right now. Peace prevails. Because there is a, a fifth monitor. A fifth monitor. It's okay. It's a small monitor. It's not very big. It's kind of off to the side, if you will. And it's pretty fuzzy and out of focus most of the time. Some Christians love sitting in front of this monitor all day long, man. And they love to guess at what they see in the monitor. Because it's a picture of the end of the parade. And Christians love to guess at the end of the parade. And truth be told, we're really not told very much. That's why it's pretty fuzzy and out of focus. More than what you can see, it's more about what you can hear. And you know what you hear? You hear joy. You hear celebration. You hear delight. You hear what you would expect to hear if all of death and despair and dissonance is removed. When disease is taken away and heartbreak is cast aside. It's that sound. That's the soundtrack you hear pouring out of that monitor. It's what the angels sing about to the shepherds. It's what the prophets proclaim throughout the entire scripture. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So now, what should I do, Pastor Paul? My suggestion, as much pastoral suggestion as I can make to you, you're going to do your own thing. Okay? You've proven that. Moving forward, with all the monitors arrayed in front of us, what does John want us to know? 30,000 feet, boots on the ground in the past, the present reality and purpose of peace. Even though evil is present, darkness is present. 
I think number one is to get in a habit of focusing on Jesus. Get into a habit of focusing on him. Yes, they are coming across the barricade. Yes, there are days when darkness has a foothold. But if you know how to look and where to look and where to stay focused, peace prevails. I have overcome the dark. I have over- you will have tribulation. I have overcome. Get in the habit. So you got to stay close to God's people. Can you imagine, if you will, the, the, the fangs and the claws of darkness coming into a soul, desperately trying to pull them off of the parade, pull them out of the light, pull them into darkness. That's why it's so important for us, the body of Christ, to grab a hold of these souls and say, we love you. We're not letting go. Peace prevails. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on Jesus. If you're looking for peace on the shelves and Jesus is, you're not going to find it. Number one, focus on Jesus. Number two, learn how to be a blessing. Learn how to be a blessing. This is one of the gifts that God gave to the priests of Israel. One of the things that we see Jesus manifesting as the high priest in his gospel story is that Jesus blesses people with peace. So he shows us his peace be with you. That's not just some weird wacko Harry Potter incantation, okay? That's like a real thing. When you speak and manifest the peace of God, God inserts into people's lives that peace. He starts putting pieces together again. Some of us have gotten into the real habit though. Instead of kindness and peace, we create chaos in what we say and the choices that we make, the things that we do, we create chaos. Because you can be a Judas and still be in Jesus' company. But we need to make, no, I'm, I'm going to be a blessing. When I talk to my family members, I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are going to be pleasing to this person. Some of you, can really help others who've been baptized in lemonade and vinegar, okay? To get in step with the rest of the parade. I'm gonna give you a magic question, okay? Anyone, you guys want a magic question that instantaneously changes everything? Would you like that? Okay, it's not a magic bullet, but man, it's close. You will bump into a follower of Jesus who's really struggling with peace, and you will bump into a follower of Jesus, not just struggling with peace. They don't want anyone else to have peace either. They are so chaos ridden. They are so overwhelmed by the own mess of their life. They cannot handle the fact that you have joy and you have love and you have hope and you have peace. And they will do everything that they possibly can to tear that down. That's how sad their life is. All you have to do is ask them this one question. You ready? Some of you got some paper ready. Are you trying to help me or hurt me? Ask them that. 
when they start vomiting their chaos on you, hey, are you trying to help me? Or are you trying to hurt me? And prayerfully, if the Holy Spirit does dwell in that soul, it will be enough of a skip in their step to say, mm, my bad. Or they might just blow you off altogether and just start gossiping on Facebook, which is fine. Who cares, right? But you be a blessing. You be a blessing. Tomorrow morning, you wake up. I'm going to be a blessing to my kids. And the third thing that I would suggest is patience. Patience. Because as you look at your family, chaos has its fangs in deep. And it's not so much something you created. It's just what you inherited from a mom and dad who didn't know how to confront the darkness or grandparents who didn't know how to confront the darkness or a neighborhood that never had anyone confront the darkness and to be a blessing. And so now you are, are at a place in the parade where the barricades have been broken down and it's really hard to fight to be a blessing. I'm just saying you gotta be patient. You gotta be patient because the darkness will not overcome. The darkness will not overcome. And so you're exhausted as a parent. You're exhausted as a spouse. You're exhausted as a follower of Jesus Christ. But oh, the blessing of knowing that Jesus, yep, you're going to have tribulation. Yeah, this is going to be hard at times. But I heard the bells on Christmas Day. They're old, familiar carols play of peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Thank you for sharing your time with us, and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our hope team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions. God bless.